Welcome to r slash pro revenge, where OP sends a douchebag to jail. Our next Reddit post is from Reddit's fan. Me and my wife just had our second child, and we moved into a duplex in an amazing neighborhood. It even had its own playground. We moved in and greeted the neighbors, a bunch of younger people, but they seemed okay. The first day after moving in, we found out that our neighbors were gone, and they left their seven-year-old on a school day outside of our door with a bag of crackers and a note asking us to watch him while they were out. So immediately, we called Child Protective Services. Our other neighbors, who were friendly, warned us that our upstairs neighbors were trouble. They had constant traffic going in and out and parties every single night. This was 110% the truth. It got to the point that we couldn't sleep at night, and we had multiple altercations to the point that it was full-blown yelling matches. The landlord was useless and would do nothing to get rid of them, so I bided my time. Eventually, one night, they came home in their red Mazda 3, and it was destroyed. I figured they must have done a hit and run, so I called the cops to let them know, thinking at the very least they would get in big trouble. But, oh man, I had no idea what I had just unleashed. It turns out this douchebag had a warrant out for his arrest for drug trafficking. He got hauled away in cuffs that night. And during this, we had to call Child Protective Services again because they left their son home alone again. They didn't just leave him alone once or twice. This was every single day. So my wife went digging for names and found the kid's mother on Facebook. After doing some digging, we found out that they had stolen nearly $50,000 in assets, including furniture, TVs, and a huge sound system. One phone call and two days later, this sheriff was at their house with a truck emptying their house. He took their beds, couches, TVs, their annoying subwoofer system, their kitchen set, and even the dressers. Shortly after, CPS came and removed the child from the house. I didn't enjoy seeing him taken away, but they never fed him, and he was always in the same clothing which was falling apart. This douchebag went to jail for drug possession. His girlfriend went to jail for assaulting the sheriff. The kid's mother had a happy ending, as far as I can tell. After she lost her son, she went through multiple programs to clean herself up and started working to provide for her son. I ran into her a couple of years ago, and she actually thanked me for what I did. So I got pro-revenge on a drug dealer and his girlfriend, and thankfully helped someone get on the right path. Down in the comments, we have this story from Chubby K. I had a terrible neighbor once. They locked their six-year-old son outside in the middle of winter while he was only in his underwear. I called Indigenous Child Protective Services, who countered that maybe they disciplined their child that way. After a few more calls, CPS finally visited and told my wife there was nothing they could do because they did have milk in the fridge and a loaf of bread. So, apparently, the low bar of parenting is a bag of milk and a loaf of bread for this indigenous CPS organization. One Saturday morning, my wife was making breakfast and I was doing dishes. So, imagine my surprise as three members of a SWAT team is crouching on my lawn with guns drawn. One of them made eye contact with me and put his fingers to his lips, effectively shushing me. Turns out, the parents had several firearms in the house. Rumor has it, there was also an automatic firearm within reach of the kids. Our next Reddit post is from Vancouver Muslim Dude. Okay, so background. My house is literally connected to my elementary school's perimeter. 
I occasionally used to go there at the ripe age of 15 to rip around with my RC Nitro cars on weekends. There weren't any cars because the parking gates were closed. I did this for two years with no problems. I even had a few patrolling cops come over and try out my cool toys. In return, they would pull out a huge drone from their car and fly it around to show me what drones are like and what speeds they could go. This went well until 2016. I was in the parking lot playing with my cars when suddenly I hear police sirens. Out comes a cop who gives me a huge lecture about how I'm on federal property and I need to immediately get off because I don't have permission. This hotshot acted like I was stealing or something. He even looked through my bag without permission and found a pack of dangerous liquid packs, which turned out to be rubbing alcohol for my hands. Anyways, he issues me a $187 ticket for unlawfully operating a remote-controlled blah blah blah. I was thinking, F this, I'll fight it in court. I did my research, and the ticket that he gave me was actually for people who rip around in their oil-powered RC planes in private spaces without permission. So this ticket was obviously BS. I even got the recording from his patrol car. A few months later, I go to the court to contest this. The a-hole cop is there, and he tells me that before I go to court, he can make my fine half if I plead guilty. I say no, and I'm pretty sure that he called me an effing b-word under his breath. We go inside the courtroom, and the butthole is all loud and proud when giving his statement. He straight up lies, saying that I was being belligerent, and I almost ran away in fear. Well, cameras don't lie, douchebag! When it was my turn to give my statement, I played back his cruiser dash cam, which clearly showed him being a dick. This judge effing grilled this cop. She constantly said that this was an abuse of power, a waste of resources, and recommended the officer to read up on what public and federal restricted property was. The whole ordeal was embarrassing for him, and I kind of felt bad because people were giving him dagger eyes the entire time. Anyways, the ticket was thrown out and I left. I see the cop in the parking lot, and right as I pass by, he says exactly, Effing brown mother effer, get effed! I was shocked by this, so I went home and filed a complaint at his department. I got no response for 7 days, then 15, so I called them back about it. They said, Yeah, he's not working at this branch anymore. We can assist you with anything pertaining to this report, sir. No, that's alright, thanks. And that's it. The a-hole cop either got fired or moved away. Down in the comments, we have a similar story from your ma'am. Some cop gave me a triple violation ticket for some BS that she didn't even correctly understand the laws about. She had an attitude the whole time, and you could tell that she was enjoying screwing me over. Well, I fought it. The cop got to testify before I did, and before I even got a chance to testify, the judge asked the cop a question. Why a triple ticket? She said, oh, I was showing a rookie how to write tickets. To which the judge promptly reamed her out. He told her how inappropriate that kind of behavior is. Told her that she was incorrect in the application of the law and then asked if I was belligerent or rude in any way. I wasn't, by the way. And then the judge reamed her for doing this to someone who was respectful and courteous. She was looking at the floor the entire time and wouldn't look at me at all after that. I had a grin on my face the whole time the judge was scolding her. Then the judge took my statement. He asked me if he removed all the fines, could I pay just the $40 court cost today? So I said sure, and I was up and out. 
$40 was well worth seeing that stupid cop getting lambasted by a judge. I practically skipped out of the court building that day. It also showed me that citizens don't always get screwed over completely by the legal system, and judges don't always defend dirty cops. Sadly, that judge retired a few years ago. Our next Reddit post is from Reddit Admin Dumb. Around January 2020, my friend made a stupid decision and bought a brand new car that he couldn't afford. His insurance was like 400 bucks a month, and he makes 10 25 an hour working as a shift supervisor at McDonald's. His car payment is like 800 bucks a month. Now, at 10 25 an hour, 30 hours a week, that's a weekly income of about 300 bucks a week, or about 1,230 bucks a month. So, yeah. So, my friend came to me for help because I used to sell cars, and I know the industry pretty well. I go over his paperwork. The dealer did rip him off, but my friend is trying to find a way to get out of this mess, and ripping someone off isn't illegal. They did, of course, overcharge him for a warranty. They gave him a higher APR, and they had add-ons. But none of that's illegal, and I know the only way that I can get my friend out of this deal is if they did something illegal. So I look at the finance application that my friend signed, and it correctly listed his income, which turned a light bulb on in my head. No bank on earth is going to approve someone for an $800 car payment if they're only making $1,200 a month. It does not make mathematical sense to do that. So I start searching through his paperwork for the finance application the dealer submitted to the bank. Often, when you submit a finance application at a dealership, the dealership will take the hand-filled-out application and reproduce it electronically. This is pretty normal. However, on the application the dealer submitted to the bank, the dealer said that my friend was a general manager of McDonald's and made $70,000 a year. My friend has good credit, so it doesn't appear that the bank asked for proof of income. So I go to the dealership with my friend, and I tell the sales manager that he's going to want to put me in touch with a general manager because we're going to be unwinding my friend's deal and giving his trade back. The sales manager thought that I was joking. The general manager also thought that I was joking. Then I demonstrated how his dealership finance department committed bank fraud. I showed the general manager the finance application that my friend filled out. I then showed the general manager the finance application that his dealership submitted to the bank and pointed out the income difference. My friend actually made $14,000 a year, but the dealership claimed that my friend made $70,000 a year. That's bank fraud. That's a felony. So let's keep this simple, shall we? The general manager sees that his dealership is in a load of trouble. The proof that I'm presenting to him is rock solid. He knows it, I know it, and we're all on the same page. He goes, okay, so what can I do to make this right? I say, unwind the deal and give my friend his trade-in back. So for those who don't know, unwinding the deal is basically the general manager agreeing to cancel the deal and basically erasing the deal and pretending that it never happened. The general manager tries to avoid that, but I remain firm and remind him that we can easily take this documentation and turn his life into a living hell. He knows that I'm right. Also, my friend needs a car to get to work the next day. The general manager says it'll check into it, and he comes back and tells me that, unfortunately, they sold his trade-in already. I said, that's fine. Just unwind the deal, and let's put my friend into something as good or slightly better than what he traded in for. <laughs> so the general manager goes, So he'll buy a car similar to his trade-in? 
I said, no, you'll give him a car similar to his trade-in. The general manager goes, it doesn't work that way. I, <laughs> I go, it does when you commit bank fraud. The general manager is upset with me, and I remind him that I'm being really nice, and this situation can totally get really ugly, like felony-level charges ugly, like losing your franchise ugly. So, yeah, this is gonna hurt, but it's gonna hurt less my way. So, the general manager agrees, and he looks at his inventory and tells me that they have a 2007 Focus with 10,000 more miles on it than his trade-in. I tell him, no, the car that you give my friend needs to be the same or better than what he trades in. The GM counters, I'm giving him a free car. I told him, no, you took his trade-in and you sold it. You made money on that sale. You also committed a felony in the process of selling him his new car. You're now correcting that mistake. This isn't a free car for my friend. This is you correcting your mistake. The general manager insists that that's all he's willing to do. I tell him that if he can't do better, then we'll go to a consumer protection attorney and have a conversation with them. My friend didn't want to go that route, but that was our plan B. We start to leave and the general manager says, Wait, give me a second. The general manager goes, I have an 08 Civic. It has 5,000 more miles, but it's a Civic and not a Focus. I unwind the deal on the new car and put your friend in the Civic at no extra cost. We agree. The general manager has the paper drawn up. The old loan on the new car is cancelled. They take back my friend's new car, but because it's already been titled, they'll have to sell it as used, which sucks for them. Then, they give my friend a better car than the one that he traded in. And for people asking why we didn't get a lawyer involved from the start, we could have done that, but courts take a long time, and this was a faster way to fix the situation. OP, in this story, the dealer is a criminal, your friend is an idiot, and you're a hero. Down in the comments, we have this story from Dager. I had a friend who bought a Ford Ranger from a dealer in the early aughts. He drove it for a few months, then ended up totaling it after someone had cut him off. He ended up finding out that the odometer had been rolled back while working with his insurance company. He contacted the dealer, and after a few days of back and forth, they completely refunded him his money. He bought another Ford Ranger. Our next Reddit post is from Arad. My former boss was, to put it simply, an absolute effing butthole. He was the type of person that had the ability to be so condescending while acting like he was doing you a favor. His condescending attitude was sometimes downright abusive, and he seemed to have a particular problem with all the female employees. He acted as if they were dumb and needed assistance with every step. He loves to scream at people, regardless of how little their mistake was, or if there even was one. He was a slave driver, and he expected everyone to sacrifice their own personal lives for the job. The thing that sparked this revenge was him telling me to miss my older sister's birthday to come into work on a day that I'd already booked off. No one liked him. Me and all of my department colleagues couldn't stand him being here anymore. So, we followed protocol. We all piled together the evidence we had of him not sticking to booked off holiday schedules, having inappropriate and sometimes abusive language, and we compiled it all into a Google document. This was step one. Step two was just putting a cherry on top. We did this by triggering one of his screaming tantrums at one of us. We wanted this to be as damning as possible, and the youngest and smallest girl out of all of us volunteered to be the bait. 
She intentionally made a beginner's mistake in her paperwork, something that was bound to get her roared at. And this idiot took the bait. You see, this guy likes to do all of his scoldings in front of all of us to prove a point, or rule by fear, as he called it. This gave us the perfect opportunity to film it from behind our desks and add it to the Google Documents. Now you see, in our company, there's this really not well-made email system. You can send an email to the entire department, as long as you have the department's name and the manager's name. But the thing about this was that all this information was completely and freely given to employees. This means that one person could send whatever email they wanted to the entire company, including the CEO. So, one morning at 10 a.m., to ensure that as many people would be working as possible, we made a burner email and sent the Google document through an email to everyone in the company. Of course, our boss received the email as well, and you could hear all the ruckus from his office as people all over the company were contacting him to ask him what the hell this email was about. HR investigated him and took heavy disciplinary action. As far as I know, he wasn't directly fired, but instead, he resigned. A month after that, we never saw him again, and he was replaced by a new guy who was also a butthole, but less of a butthole. Seeing my old boss's expressions during that whole ordeal helped me sleep at night. And then OP posted an update. Also, I forgot to mention, one of my colleagues recently found his Facebook and found out that he's getting a divorce. We have no idea why, but people are speculating that his divorce is related to that incident. That was our slash pro revenge, and if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.